I'm Dr. Sarah Hales-Britton. I'm Luke Patrick. And I'm Sam Siegel. And welcome to Greased Lightning, a podcast where we talk about myth and the movies. Uh, and we try to entertain you. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> you? Come on, people. <laughs> We're killing people out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously we uh, we did watch Gladiator uh, for, for this one. Um, but but uh, Sarah, what's your what's your relationship with Gladiator and I guess also Roman history? So, um, I guess I'll I'll do Roman history first. Um, I have a lot of trouble with Roman history, um, mm. just because it's it's not my area of research, and so I had you know I learned it obviously. But um, mm -hmm. it's amazing how fast the stuff flies out of your head when you're working on things that don't really relate to it anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, when you weren't that interested in it to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's I, I have a lot of trouble with Roman history with just like keeping certain things in my head. There's a lot that I, you know, have been exposed to enough over the years that like I've got it down now. Um like the Julio-Claudians and all of that. But then, you know, this, mm -hmm. this later period of Roman history, especially like the second and, and really the third centuries CE, shit just gets out of hand and mm -hmm. the Romans are really chaotic. Um, so there's a lot to keep track of. And oh, I was always okay. thankful that I didn't have to keep track of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of the movie Gladiator, um, I think this movie for me is sort of what, Polar Express is for you, Luke. I know I've seen it before, but uh, <laughs> the circumstances of that watch are a mystery to me. Uh, Ooh, I have okay. Well, <laughs> I have no idea. Well, Sarah, if I may, folks, if anyone listening here uh, either saw Gladiator with Sarah or knows the circumstances under which she did see it. Why don't you send us an email at greaselightningpod at gmail.com uh, and we can, I think we can solve the mystery for Sarah. God, I think we can I get this so. solved. Yeah. I really hope somebody out there who is listening and watched this with me uh, because I have absolutely no idea. The only, I was, honestly, I was really dreading having to do this episode because I only remembered bits and pieces of it and I remember... Mm -hmm losing the thread of the plot pretty quickly it was like i clearly wasn't actually paying that close attention to it um mm -hmm. and so then the rest of the movie was just like kind of annoying because i didn't know what was going on anymore and i'm oh, also like okay. not the world's biggest russell crowe fan so you put all those things together and i just had this like sort of visceral ugh, cringy memory of gladiator mm -hmm. <laughs> so i wasn't really looking forward to watching it again happy to report that that did not repeat itself but um what I'm about good. what about you guys uh what do you what do you know about gladiators slash this movie <laughs> mm -hmm. uh luke you want to kick that off yeah sure so the ex the entirety of what I know about ancient Rome or about Rome, I guess, and Roman history uh, stems from like two to five TED Talks that I watched or there's like animated TED Talk thingies um, and I watched those probably seven years ago and they're sort of about daily life in the Roman Empire. That's it. 
that's pretty much the extent of anything that I know. Like, as an example, yesterday I was, like, talking about, like, man, it would have been crazy to be the Romans and run into the Vikings. Because I thought that's a thing that happened. And I looked it up. Nope. Romans never encountered Vikings. Um, <laughs> so I know jack about shit when it comes to the Roman Empire. Um, Gladiator is interesting, though, because... Like you were saying, Sarah, and then also this is what uh, a couple other people have echoed to me as well. We all seem to remember bits and pieces of this movie, and mm-hmm. then the rest of it just sort of flies the coop, has flown the mm. coop. Like, it's just gone. Because uh, mm-hmm. I remember specific things like, are you not entertained? Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, Caesar being a shit and stuff. But they were huge. So, like, he gets out of gladiator mode. Or, like, he reveals his identity. Sorry, I'm, I'm breaking the seal on talking about the movie. A little bit. Just a little bit. Um, you know, he he, he uh, reveals himself to be Maximus. And you're like, dude, there's three quarters of a movie left. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I remembered not a lot <laughs> in this movie. Because um, the rest of that was kind of new to me. So, all around, new stuff. I'm excited to be here. I'm ready to learn today. All right, Luke. So, I I actually I have a piece of information here, and and I think it's going to get me some greased lightning points. But Luke, depending on your perspective of things, um, Vikings and Romans did interact hmm. because you know you had the split of the Western and the Eastern Roman Empire. And so the eastern one did become the Byzantine Empire, right? That's right, yeah. Okay. And they did actually hire Vikings as the Varangian Guard to as like the sort of like uh like like the Praetorian Guard that we see in Gladiator. They they had Vikings as like the Emperor's guards. Well <gasps> fuck me. Hey, hey. Damn. I did the teaching for once. I had I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. No. So so anytime you hear the Varangian guard, that's uh that's Byzantine like emperor bodyguard soldiers who are Vikings. Well, I'll be cool. damned. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, uh all that to say, I know some about Roman history. Yeah. Mostly through video games. I won't mm. lie. Yeah. Um so so most of what I know is like more like military focused, uh, rather than like how anything worked. Mm. So so more useless information I would say. Uh, <laughs> and then as far as Gladiator yeah, I've seen it before, and just like y'all, I remember, like, broad strokes. I remember there's a battle at the beginning in somewhere in Europe, and then I remember he he meets uh, Jaimon Hansu, and then he yells, are you not entertained? And I don't remember a whole lot else. Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix is in there somewhere. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. I think, okay. Should we should we all meet up like a year from now and just rattle off what we can remember from this movie and see if there's just something about it <laughs> that doesn't seem to want to stick in your gray matter? I yeah, love this plan. I would be- 
I honestly do think maybe some of this movie is made with Teflon. Yeah. And just just refuses. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. The Teflon flick. Yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. Um so so yeah, Sarah, do you, wh- what do you have for us today? What are you teaching us? I have a lot of I have a lot of stuff for you today about um, Ooh, gladiators okay. and Roman games in general, and then I also have mm-hmm. some stuff about the emperors that are in this movie, Marcus Aurelius and Commodus. Um, yes. So, so what do you guys want first? Do you want games and gladiators first, or do you want emperors first? Hmm. I think I. I vote emperors first, and then yeah, games. that's where I was leaning. Yeah, exactly. Okay, awesome, awesome. So in that case, uh, we will start with Marcus Aurelius, uh, who is a very famous emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marcus was born around 121, became emperor in 161 CE. So um, okay. we've we've been an empire for quite a while now. Um, Mm -hmm. by the time he um, takes power. He is the last of what gets called the five good emperors. So this is Mm. Nerva, Trajan, Hadrian, Antoninus Pius, and Marcus Aurelius is the last one. He's the fifth. Uh, This name for them, five good emperors, apparently was coined by Machiavelli, which I find hilarious. Um, And (laughs) they're... They're good in a few, like, very specific ways. It's not like they were super nice guys or anything. They are, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, good because uh, none of them are raging, paranoid, murderous megalomaniacs. And okay. um, they they do prosecute wars on the borders of the empire and abroad, but they preside over peace in Italy. So the Roman, quote-unquote, homeland, right? Gotcha. And then... Rather than let their natural, their biological sons inherit the emperorship, they adopt their successors. So theoretically, Mm. they have a little bit more control over, like, the personality that's going to succeed them and can choose someone who's well-fitted to the role, supposedly. (laughs) And not their, like, dog shit son. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, so the extent to which Marcus Aurelius can be called a good emperor... Uh, sort of depends on how heavily you weigh that last one, since he did let his son inherit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, we'll get to that in a second. So um, so Marcus Aurelius's uh, immediate predecessor and adopted father was the emperor Antoninus Pius. He dies in 161, and Marcus Aurelius becomes the emperor. The very first thing he does is uh, asks the Senate to confer imperium which is the you know emperor's power on his adopted brother lucius verus as well so for the first time ever we have co-emperors that are going to mm, rule okay. together and they rule together for eight years until lucius verus dies um you know everything's hunky-dory marcus aurelius's daughter lucilla marries lucius verus um adopted uncle so it's not as weird as some of the other (laughs) relationships we've talked about on this podcast before everything is hunky-dory except that when Antoninus died and Marcus Aurelius took over a lot of people on the frontiers of the Roman Empire decided this was a good time to sort of take advantage of the political shufflings and revolt 
So Marcus Aurelius had to spend a lot of his time as emperor, more or less at war, um, putting down rebellions, reconquering areas, trying to secure the borders um, all over the place in Britain, in Germania, um, as far east on like on the eastern border as Armenia, um, where the Parthians, the eternal boogeyman of Rome, uh, live. <laughs> so he's he is out on campaign for most of his um, 19 years of emperorship. Um, mm-hmm. Lucius Ferris dies in 169, so then Marcus Aurelius is the sole emperor for several years um, until 176. He elevates his son, Commodus, to co-emperor. So now it's him and his son ruling together. Uh, Commodus is only 15 at this point. <laughs> but okay. I, think, I think the idea is that... Um, it's an opportunity for Commodus to sort of get used to the role, learn how to do things while Marcus Aurelius is there to guide him. So, um, so they rule together for four years. Um, There's more wars, especially in the Germanic areas, including an attempt to annex some new territory um, on the far side of the Danube river. So for a long time now, the Danube has been, the border of the Roman Empire um, in in that area of Europe. Marcus Aurelius mm-hmm. decides to go past the Danube, or try to, and basically try, is trying to annex what is basically modern-day Slovakia. And okay. uh, this doesn't really go well. They're out there for a couple of years. Both of them together, Marcus and Commodus, are out there for a couple of years um, and then Marcus dies in 180. The circumstances, the, like the cause of his death is unknown, but he did in fact die at Vindabona on campaign. Um, okay. He's, he's also very famous for being a uh, Stoic philosopher, which, mm-hmm. yes and no. <laughs> um, oh. he's, uh, so Stoicism is a, is a philosophical school that was founded um, in Athens in 4th century BCE. So it's been around for a long time. Um, and Marcus Aurelius had this journal that he kept that was um, found a couple centuries later and published as the Meditations. Um, and he's, it's really just you know him writing to himself. Um, and he, he kept this journal for, it seems like, several years. Um, he didn't really date the entries. And a lot of times he's sort of talking about issues generally. So it's hard to tell if any of these sort of thoughts that he's having correspond to specific political events in his life. But it's one of the only like personal journal type things that we have from antiquity. So it's super valuable in that way. Um, and the, the philosophical sort of discussions with himself that he has in the meditations, there's a lot of stoicism, but it's also, he also sort of takes an eclectic view of philosophy. So he pulls from the Platonists and he pulls from the skeptics and occasionally he pulls from the Epicureans. So, you know, he's sort of a mixed bag in that way. Um, but he goes down in history very positively, um, as an emperor. So when he dies in 180, Commodus now becomes the sole emperor uh, at 19 years old. Uh, He has been on campaign in Germany, right, with Marcus for a couple of years when Marcus dies. Um, At this point, Commodus rapidly makes peace with everyone, abandons the new territories beyond the Danube, and goes home. He's like, all done with this shit. He does not want war. (laughs) Um, And... There are a couple different ways that you can take this. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can see this as 
he just isn't interested in expanding the borders. They, you know, the borders are, are far out enough for him. He's not interested mm-hmm. in petty border disputes. He's, you know, he's willing to sort of let the provinces be and just wants to preside over peace. You can take it that way. Um, and he does actually preside over peace abroad anyways. At home, things are a bit chaotic. Um, but the other side of this, the side that the Roman historians take, is that um, he was lazy and he enjoyed sort of a like an easy, luxurious lifestyle and living in military camps doesn't really go well with that. So mm. you can take it both ways. So um, he was a soft boy. He was a soft boy, yes. Mm. Um, he didn't. He didn't want to be a soft it, boy. <laughs> would Would you say that he was Rome's first soy boy beta emperor? No, sadly. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Rome had Rome had a few of those. <laughs> uh oh. Um. Yeah, but he is. He's so. So Commodus does not go down in history well at all. Mm-hmm. And he totally deserves this reputation as being a bad emperor. Um, but apparently he wasn't always bad. Um, there's this historian named Cassius Dio that we get a lot of information about this era of political history from. Um, he died in 235 CE. Um, and this is right. We're talking about the 180s. So Cassius Dio is alive and says that he was, you know, around and witnessed some of this stuff that he talks about mm-hmm. for these emperors, uh, like in his early political career. Um, and Cassius Dio says that Commodus wasn't he wasn't an evil person and he wasn't necessarily prone to excess in himself, but that he was sort of weak minded and like very easily led. And so mm. it was easy for advisors to take advantage of him. Maybe. Um, but then, you know, a couple paragraphs later, Cassius Dio says that Commodus killed a shitload of people. So I don't really know where we're supposed to come down on that. <laughs> you can't hold that against him, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I can't, but you know, uh, some other people sure did. <laughs> sometimes you, you just got to kill people. You know how it is. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Commodus rules for 12 years. Um being weak killing people apparently um mm-hmm. we do we do know of a couple of um praetorian guard prefects that basically ran the government for several years under commodus's reign um this was not the first time this has happened um the praetorians really had an um, an outsized influence um and could make or break emperors and by break i mean murder mm-hmm. them um so uh there's this isn't the first time it's happened but it's like never great when um you know it's just a random like general basically running things instead of the person who's actually Mm -hmm. supposed to be in charge so that's not fabulous um we cycle through a couple of praetorian prefects um that are sort of running the government um more or less on commodus's behalf while he's emperor um in the early 180s there is an assassination attempt which his sister Lucilla was implicated in. Hard to tell, you know, from this distance whether mm-hmm. she was actually part of the plot, but either way, she was banished, and then later she was executed. Um, huh. we, we go through some more sort of, you know, turbulent political times. Eventually, Commodus gets this mistress named Marcia. She works pretty closely with the Praetorian prefects, and she also wields 
quite a bit of unofficial political power um, and sort mm-hmm. of works with the Praetorians to run the government. Um, as time goes on, Commodus has more and more prominent men and senators assassinated. And um, he sort of develops this like obsession with Hercules and with himself as Hercules Romanus. So like he's the new incarnation of Hercules. Um, huh. I'm going to send you guys a picture of a bust. Um, that's so I'm actually sending you two things. One of them is uh, this very okay. famous equestrian statue of Marcus Aurelius that only survived because people thought it was Constantine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, this other one is a bust of Commodus as Hercules. So he's got the club. He's got the lion skin. He's holding the apples of the Hesperides in one hand. Um, and underneath the the bust itself, there's like a globe. So he's like conquering the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lot. Um He's saying a lot of things about himself here. And some of them are like, Mm -hmm. sure, you're a Roman emperor. You guys do things like this. And then some of them are like, boy, howdy, you need to, you need to chill. Um, so he, he like develops this obsession with like himself as the new Hercules. He starts calling Rome Commodiana as in like city of Commodus. He's, he's like threatening centers. He's murdering people. In 192, so he's been emperor for 12 years on his own. He's about 31 now. Um, he declares that a new golden age is on the way, starting New Year's Day 193, when he would um, do away with, i.e. murder, the um, consuls that are currently in office. Because, like, we still have consuls and senators and all of, like, all of these offices that actually ran things when Rome was a republic. All these mm-hmm. political offices still exist, um, even if they don't really have okay. much power anymore. So Commodus is going to do away with the existing consuls and become sole mm-hmm. consul himself. Not only that, mm-hmm. but he's going to march out from the gladiator quarters, dressed as a gladiator, in order to go like take office, take his oaths and everything. Also, some other people besides the consuls are like gonna be assassinated on this day so his ushering in of a golden age is like gonna be pretty bloody and scary and he's like Mm -hmm. it's like the culmination of all this sort of like uncomfortable political you know murdering your enemies energy that's been going on for all of these Mm -hmm. years of his rule it's all sort of coming to a head and finally the people around him decide that this has gone too far and the praetorians enlist Marcia, the mistress to assassinate um, Commodus. She poisons him on New Year's Eve, 192. So they sort of left this to the last (laughs) minute. Uh, But uh, he vomited up some of the poison and then figured out what was going on, Um, started threatening Mm -hmm. everybody. So the Praetorians are like, we need a strong man in here, pronto. They went and got this wrestler to come in and strangle Commodus while he was taking a bath. So um, Mm. not, not the most pleasant way to go um but that's what happened Wait. to Commodus. <laughs> okay i gotta <clears throat> i gotta roll back through this because yeah <laughs> that's a that's a pretty wild new year's okay yeah. so so he eats ostensibly his new year's dinner uh-huh. i guess uh-huh and it's like Bleh. 
Yep. List it. You poisoned me, you piece of shit. How dare you? I'm... I've... Someone attempted to assassinate me. You know what I need? A nice calming bath. <laughs> Gonna go take a bath, chill out, you know, get my vibes right. And then he... Essentially, Dwayne the Rock Johnson comes in <laughs> and strangled him to death. That is exactly what happened. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's perfect. <laughs> I honestly, I'm mad that my New Year's wasn't like that. Yeah, talk about a rager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who so, wouldn't want Dwayne Johnson to come into their... Uh, post poison bath uh and just choke the life out of them i know i know it's just it's just bonkers and like yeah the fact that i don't know i mean i it's it sounds like from from the way things are written that maybe they didn't have this plan b like, this was a last-second mm-hmm. plan B of, go get the wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Poison can be unreliable. Mm-hmm. And what, what what I find bonkers about that is that presumably these are all folks who are versed with a sword and have easy oh, yeah. access to swords and knives. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. See, well, we that's can't, what I was thinking. We can't just stab him, though. Let's go get Gary the wrestler. Sorry, Gertus. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Um, this, I, I have no idea, but it's possible that this maybe influenced the decision not to use swords. Um, one of the other things that, you know, was against Commodus in the should we or shouldn't we do away with him tally up was that he had been training as a gladiator and competing mm. as a gladiator. Um, mm. So he did have some skills. Um the thing is, and the reason this is actually the perfect segue. I'm glad you guys picked emperors first. Um, the <laughs> this is like a really scandalous thing because middle and upper class Romans are explicitly banned from competing in the arena and competing in gladiator mm. tournaments. Mm. So for Commodus to not only go down and train with the gladiators, but then to actually like engage in like pitched fights with them is mm-hmm. really fucking scandalous um it's an affront Ooh. to himself and his office it's sort of an affront to all like upper class romans um because gladiators were um infames which is so this is the latin word where we get infamous um, and it, mm-hmm. it sort of means like somebody, someone of ill repute or like s- someone notorious, but it, it sort of goes beyond that in Latin and it has this almost like physical germy quality to it. Like if I'm around somebody who is infames, I'm going to be infected with this like social, well, I was going to say social Ooh. disease, but, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not a not stink. <laughs> yes, social stank, um, and and it also like it it the word can also have like basically a religious connotation to it as well of like something that is um, tainted and can't be in like shouldn't be brought into the presence of the divine. Um, this is important 
for in this case with Commodus being a gladiator because he's doing this infames thing. He's also supposed to be the emperor is supposed to be Pontifex Maximus, the high priest of all of Rome. So um, this is pretty fucked up in terms of mm. like the way Romans think about the organization of their society. Um, mm, gotcha. He's like he's so it's flipping like, the tables. Is it like if um, like Joe Biden or uh, the Pope joined to like a fight club? Yes. Yes. I mean, I think if Which, Joe Biden di- joined a fight club, he would die. But, um... Oh, yeah. I, I don't think he could throw a punch without his arm breaking. But I do now very much want to see a fight club remake starring Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hey, guy. I think that would be... It'd just be a lot of that. Special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so this um Okay. This actually leads us into into gladiators and Roman games really well. Um Ooh, we okay. want to talk about that for a little bit. So, um Yes, please. There's a couple mm-hmm. of different uh types of Roman games. The oldest ones are the Munera, which is basically funeral games. Um and we've talked about funeral games on here before. Um somebody who, you know, a major public figure or just a rich person. Uh, when they die, you throw these games in their honor. Um, and then the ludi, which that word literally just means games, um, are like public religious holidays and festivals. So state-sponsored games, usually. Um, there is a an elected official in Rome called the Aedile, um, who is in charge of you know infrastructure upkeep in the city, but also in charge of putting on the ludi. Um, and so these are... Um, these are super important to like Roman public life. There's something like a hundred festival days in the calendar year. So Jesus. you could be, you could be doing something for some sort of like public festival at, you know, it, one out of every three days of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty wild. Um, they have chariot races. So this is the circus just literally means like the circle <laughs> or the circuit. This mm-hmm. is the, um, the races, uh, you have animal hunts, which, you know, aren't really hunts because the animals are in cages, but whatever. Um, and then you right. have, um, like theatrical performances and then you have gladiators also, um, at some point, uh, most people who attend the games as well as the people who finance them care more about the entertainment value of these than anything else. But even into late antiquity, these games were understood as a means of honoring the gods at whatever festival is happening. Um, they're basically a form of worship. So this is why hmm. later on in the empire, um, Christ- some Christians feel funny about attending them because they are technically supposed mm-hmm. to be honoring traditional Roman gods. Um, and for like mm. 200 years, um, like early Christian fathers keep writing about like good Christians shouldn't go to the games. Of course, the fact that they have to keep writing that means that Christians were going to the games anyway. <laughs> so, right, <yeah. laughs> um, so, so there's that. <laughs> um, but in terms of gladiators in particular, um, they they may have grown out of these funeral games. Um, we do have evidence of basically gladiator fights happening as early as the third century BCE during the Punic Wars, which is um, wars between Rome and Carthage in North Africa. Um, we know that they happened then. Um, there's this 
historian, this Roman historian named Livy, who lives during the time of the Emperor Augustus. Um, and he thinks that gladiator fights happened during victory celebrations in the wars between the Italic tribes. So before Rome had actually conquered all of the um, Italian tribes and unified the peninsula, that these games happened then too. And in fact, a lot of the early like types of gladiators, gladiators are very like sort of typeset. Um, and a lot of the early types mm -hmm. were based on um, other Italic tribes. So there was a, a tribe of people called the Samnites who lived in like South Central Italy. And a Samnite was one of the early gladiator types. You like fought with their traditional armor and weaponry. Um, they renamed oh, okay. this this type and like changed it up a little bit once the Samnites were part of Rome because it's sort of in poor taste to <laughs> have somebody who's a citizen right. and being, you know, <laughs> depicted in the arena like this. Um, so they had to sort of, you know, make some changes as time went on. Um, the games really, gladiator contests in particular, really peaked in like the first and second centuries CE. So right at the time that the movie Gladiator is set. Um, and then they sort of okay. dropped off um, after that, partly I think because they'd gotten so insanely expensive and like third century Rome was an absolute fucking disaster in every way. Um, mm. and also partly because of the rise of Christianity. Um, it took all the way though, until like the sixth century CE for gladiator competitions to actually be banned. Um, Damn. so oh, they were around, geez. you know, they were not very common anymore by that point, but they were still around. Um, so, so yeah, uh, they were super, super popular. Um, and they, they ranged quite a bit in, uh, type of fighter and in sort of, uh, the expenses that were put forth <laughs> for these fights. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, there's several different types. So some of the most common ones, um, the like lowest, most lightly armed form, I guess, was a guy called a retiarius. He literally just had like a loincloth and a net and a trident and no helmet. And mm. he was usually paired up with this guy called a secutor, which is just called a per means pursuer. So he had like this big shield and a short sword. Um, and that was it. Um, there is this very brief scene. I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember it in life of Brian where they show a little gladiator fight in an arena and there's a guy in a loincloth who's just like running in circles until the heavily armed guy who's chasing him falls over dead. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think this yeah, is, yeah. I, so, yeah. I think that's what they're riffing on here is the retiarius <laughs> and the secutor. <laughs> Love it. So that's, that's always fun. Uh, the guys mm -hmm. who fought beasts. So they, Rome was pretty terrible and they like, cleared out whole sections of northern Africa of like their elephants and their tigers and um, rhinoceroses and other animals like that that were super exotic for people in Italy um, mm -hmm. and so there were guys who were called bestiarii so they were beast fighters um, and so they, they had some of that um, Sam Knight we already talked about was um, a really heavily armed fighter and was very popular and very common early on and then in the early imperial period, they sort of disappeared. Um, there was a type called Thrakes. So this is a Thracian. Um, and so he, they fight with a Thracian curved sword and a big helmet. Um, these guys replaced 
another type called Gaul, Gauli, so a Gaul, someone from basically France, mm-hmm. um, after Gaul made peace with Rome. They stopped having guys dressed like Gauls mm-hmm. as gladiators okay. and replaced them with the Thracian. Um, and then there are uh, the Rudiarii, a freed gladiator who has been given a wooden sword or wooden rod. Um, not all of these guys retired when they were given these wooden swords. Uh, some of them mm-hmm. became trainers or referees. Um, and then some of them actually continued to fight. And the ones who chose to stay on and keep competing were super popular because they were really highly oh. skilled by this point in their career, right? So mm-hmm. they drew a big crowd. Um, so that's our main types of gladiators. Um, there is also occasional mentri- mention of a gladiatrix, so a woman gladiator. Um, mm. Extremely rare. Extremely rare. Mm. Mm. Um but gotcha. they were also, they were explicitly banned by another emperor, Septimius Severus, in the year 200 CE. Um, so after that, no, gladi- no gladiatrixes, trices. There we go. Um, but before that, they were, they were clearly still happening uh, <laughs> if, we, if we felt mm-hmm. the need to ban them. So, right. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, Another thing, uh, so I just mentioned that some gladiators were given this wooden sword when they were freed. Um, many gladiators were either slaves or prisoners of war, but not all of them. Uh, some were freed men. Um, in the late Republic and then into the Empire as well, as many as half the gladiators in competition were actually paid, like, free guys, like, volunteers, basically. Um However, all gladiators, no matter what your, like, freed status, um, all gladiators were infames, right? Super low class, considered both literally and metaphorically too dirty to be part of decent society. So, you know, you got food and lodging out of it. You got a paycheck. Um, you maybe got fame, but it was definitely not a first choice career for anybody. Mm. Um, and like I said earlier middle and upper class Romans were explicitly banned from this. So this is like the lowest of the low are the ones who compete in the arena for the entertainment of everyone else. So a big question is to the death or not to the death with these Mm -hmm. gladiator fights. Um, The movie sort of looking ahead just for a minute um, to the movie gladiator, they make it look like every single fight is to the death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would have been an absolutely insane waste of both money and human capital. Not mm-hmm. every fight was to the death. Of course, oh. gladiators did frequently die. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way around it when this is your job um, is to fight with actual weapons. Um the average gladiator did something like 10 or 12 fights in his career. Um, though there were exceptions who, you know, went on to fight for many, many years. Um, but just as frequently they would like fight for a while and declare a winner. And then, you know, they both limped off to the doctor. Um, Mm. not every, not every fight, every fight had a loser. Not every fight Mm -hmm. had a death. Mm, Um, the, the gladiators, of course, went into the arena knowing that they could die. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the, the folks who were actually expected to die and not just, you know, had a chance of it were condemned criminals. And so oh. in a day of games, you would have like animal demonstrations and fights and whatever hunt, you know, quote unquote hunts in the morning. You'd have a break for lunch. And during the break for lunch, some condemned criminals would be killed. Then in the afternoon, you'd have like your skilled fight. And then you might have um, a reenactment of a historical battle. And in some cases with the really big ones where you had to have like a big cast of characters, um, some people basically would be executed that way. Like you are assigned to be the Carthaginians in this battle um, or you're (laughs) assigned to be the whoever. Right. (laughs) Um, And this is how you die is in a battle reenactment. Um, But that the, the like highly trained fighters wouldn't have been put in that category um, because you've invested a lot of money and time in their training. Right. So you want to use them to, to better advantage. Um, But when a gladiator did die though, um, dying well was basically an opportunity for redemption for losing the fight. Um, This is Rome is a very militarized society with like, very like super martial and hyper masculine values right with honor Mm -hmm. and glory and all of this stuff and uh if you can't win your fight you can at least die with honor so you're expected to not beg for mercy you're expected to not cry out right you're basically um basically take it like a man um this is our toxic masculinity episode i guess um yeah it sounds like it yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what was expected. Um, but occasionally, um, you know, there were, there were bloodless victories as well, where, you know, maybe nobody actually draws any blood, but you just like fight for a long time and then realize it's a draw or something like that. Um, okay. there were also rules of professional combat. Um, and so there were, there were referees out there in the arena with the gladiators to make sure that people were following the rules. Um, don't ask me what those rules were, <laughs> but we know they had them. Uh, and there okay. was a ref with a wooden rod, basically, that he could like stick in between the fighters to break them up if something was going on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so good. Just a I guy just... with a broom. <laughs> I <know. Get> back. <laughs> when I was reading about this, I kept thinking about the scene in uh, The Quiet Man where they're going to have their big fight at the end of the movie and they keep saying, the Marquis of Queensbury rules, the Marquis of Queensbury rules will be observed. Um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of rules the Romans had, but they had a guy with a stick and apparently they had some rules. Um, also, the fights were often accompanied by music. So they had trumpets, oh. they had drums, they had flutes, they had a, they had water organs sometimes. Uh, what it's, the fuck is a water organ? It is very similar to a pipe organ, except, um, you uh-huh. know, with a, with a pipe organ, it's compressed air that makes the sound come out of the pipes, right? Okay. With a water uh-huh. organ, it's water that's pushing air through pipes, like flowing water. Oh. So you have to that's have somebody who's, like, moving the water if you're not, you know, sitting next to a waterfall or something. <laughs> that's buck wild. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I I don't fully understand the mechanics of how it works. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know that they had them. So, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah these uh, 
this like dramatic music in Gladiator, you know, behind the fights is like actually mm-hmm. pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have they should have had a, a water organ mm-hmm. uh, play. I really wish they had. I would love to know what one sounds like. Yeah, I am loving the like sort of uh, like small collection of real niche instruments that we're we're getting because we got the double flutes Mm -hmm. uh and now we got a water organ and i can't wait until we get a third one so that the three of us can form a a three-piece uh band (laughs) yeah obscure instruments (laughs) tune in for our next episode that's just a concert on our little instruments (laughs) yeah us doing jazz with old (laughs) instruments oh you can't say it's bad because that's just jazz baby jazz baby (laughs) oh that would be amazing (laughs) (laughs) not for anyone listening but for us yeah yeah it would be a a real fun time (laughs) <laughs> would have an absolute blast with this. <laughs> oh. Well, I just have like one or two more tiny things to say about Gladiators and then I want to talk about mm-hmm. the movie because I feel like there's a lot to talk about with this movie. Um, yes. So one thing is that, um, you know, I, I did say Gladiators are infames, right? They are despised. They're also hotties and very popular with upper class women. So this is, we know this is a thing that women like had crushes on their favorite gladiators and Mm -hmm. that they were like, you know, they were low class, but they were basically like superheroes until they died. Um, And Mm -hmm. (laughs) super popular with women. Um, There's this graffiti in Pompeii where this gladiator is, you know, he's saying it about himself, but he says that he is suspirium puellarum, which means the sigh of the girls. So they're all like, (gasps) (laughs) 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 which I just, good. I just love it so much. Uh, Oh, Gee, that's... I... Fuck, that's good. I... Can... Hey, can any of you imagine ever having the confidence to call yourself something like that? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's aspirational levels of confidence right there. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah, it's just wild. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's also, um, so there's a, a satirist named Juvenal who's right. He, he died towards the beginning of the second century CE. So he's writing end of the first beginning of the second century. Um, and he's very famously like over the top and exaggerated in his criticism of Roman society and like all of the Roman world. But there is this one satire where he talks about a senator's wife who falls in love with a gladiator and then runs off to Egypt with him. Um, Now, this satire is basically an incel rant. So, you know, (laughs) this I'm sure this didn't actually happen. But the fact that he, like, thought of this happening at all means that, like, even senators' wives were prone to, like, little girl crushes on the gladiators. (laughs) Right. So, So that's an interesting thing about them. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to share is just sort of a funny little thing. I want to, I want to read you guys a little snippet. Um, 
So not everyone was a fan of the games. They were super popular, mm-hmm. but, and, you know, with the general public, especially, but, um, you know, the general public was not literate. So all of the accounts we have of like men having feelings about things are like the cream of the upper class whose writings who could write and then whose writings have survived. And a lot of them gotcha. found the games to be kind of vulgar and the excessive violence was sort of distasteful to them. So this is a letter. This is from a letter by a guy named Pliny the Younger. And he is, he, he lived during the reign of Trajan. So he's significantly before the time period that we're talking about in this movie, okay. like maybe 60 years before. But he's, <laughs> he's talking about the game. So he's writing to his friend and he says, I have spent these several days past in reading and writing with the most pleasing tranquility imaginable. You will ask, how can that possibly be in the midst of Rome? It was the time of celebrating the Circensian Games, an entertainment for which I have not the least taste. They have no novelty, no variety to recommend them. Nothing, in short, one would wish to see twice. Uh, And then he goes on for a minute, and then he says, um, When I observe such men thus insatiably fond of so silly, so low, so uninteresting, so common an entertainment... I congratulate myself on my indifference to these pleasures, and am glad to employ the leisure of this season upon my books, which others throw away upon the most idle occupations. <laughs> oh my god. Damn. <laughs> I want to beat this guy up and steal his lunch money, and I'm yeah. not a particularly violent person. You know what? So did the Emperor Trajan. We have a lot of plenty of letters to Trajan. <laughs> He'll go mm-hmm. on for pages and Trajan will write back like two lines. He just like, he's done with this guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy sounds like a fucking wet blanket. He yeah. 100% is. <laughs> Can you imagine going to a party with this guy? And it's just like, hey, do you, do you like the music? And he's like, I don't like music. I, I just I just think it's lame. I like to sit in absolute silence with my books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah this has a real like that's for the plebs kind of vibe yes. to it mm-hmm. like, yep yep yeah Jesus, <laughs> that's brutal yeah he's an ass so yeah that's what the some of the upper class uh thought the games mm-hmm. were for losers basically but. okay now sarah i i actually have a couple questions okay um, the, uh, of things that like I noticed in the movie and um, and they're like real small details but it just it, it I can't stop thinking about it um, first was is at some point someone says that they'll like pray for someone else was mm. that that feels like a very like Christian sort of uh, understanding of prayer was that a thing like would you pray for someone um, you could, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of in a different, sort of in a different way than we think of it. Um, prayer was, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, for a lot of people it, it is today as well, but especially for the Romans, like, prayer was very transactional with the gods. Okay. So, like, you know, you, you're supposed to honor them all the time. Yeah. So that when you need them, they'll answer your prayer. But you really only pray when you, like, need something. Or, like, someone you oh. love needs something. 
So, um, you know, if someone in your family gets sick, that's the time to go to the temple and offer prayers as well as, you know, incense or like a small animal sacrifice or whatever. Um, and usually these prayers were accompanied with like a promise of what you would do for the God in return if they answered your prayer. Oh, okay. So a lot of like votive offerings in temples were people saying thanks for answering my prayer. Um, so gotcha. if you pray for healing because like you have an injury on your foot and your foot gets better, then you like take a little clay foot to the God and you're like, hey, thanks, you fixed my foot. Love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So, so yeah, there's, it, it's not prayer in the way we think of it. It's much more transactional, mm-hmm. but it did happen. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the other thing that I thought uh, was or thing that I noticed is at some point we see like a map um, on like a wall. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think it was maybe in Marcus Aurelius's uh, Big Fancy Tent. Um, we see a, a map of, I assume, like the Roman Empire. Were, were maps a thing? Did they do maps? So, they did maps, but... I don't think so. It's been a long time, honestly, since I like looked at an anything actually like written up mm-hmm. or drawn by a by a Roman with maps. But um, I think most of them would not have been like maps that would have been easily legible to us. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. like even medieval maps are fucking bonkers if you actually try to like make that correspond to real topography out in the world. Um, mm-hmm. I. I don't think we would have been able to actually follow a Roman map. <laughs> mm. um, but they did, I, I mean, as far as I know, at least for military purposes, they did use them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I could see that, like, the sort of, like, top-down notion mm-hmm. that, like, we have for maps is not necessarily something that, like, it, that people would really think of because, like, you don't have that perspective and so that's kind of useless right right i think um okay i'm like a little bit talking out of my ass here so i'll try to remember to look this up for next time but i think it probably would have been more like basically like you know the little treasure hunt maps that you would draw when you were a kid Mm -hmm. like finding Mm -hmm. your way around your own backyard it'd probably be something more like that right where you're you're the purpose of of a map for a roman general would be how do i get to this territory where we need to smack down some people um so you just need like what's my path through the forest basically (laughs) yeah so so it's like a drawing of any set of uh like directions that you get in the rural south yeah 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 (laughs) yeah see that big tree keep on going yeah, you're going. You're going to want to drive up the road a little bit, and you're going to see a red house. You're going to want to turn right there, and then you keep going till you see the big tree. Then you take a left, and then, then you're going to see a big sign that says Jimbo's Meat Hut, and that's where you're where you're going to keep going straight. Yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. I actually, I kind of know a thing. <gasps> oh, uh, oh, yay! So, Sam, to your point about top-down maps. Uh, uh-huh. And read them actually making usable maps. Da Vinci, one of his first jobs was to make a map. I think a local aristocrat or general or maybe both commissioned him to make mm-hmm. a map of Florence or Venice or wherever he was at the time. And uh-huh. the dude made 
using math and walking around and looking at stuff, a top-down topographical map of the city. Oh, and it kind shit. of blew people's minds to the point that they didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so they were like, what is this? What's the point, <laughs> guy? Um, oh, my God. And that God. was, of course, oh, you know, a very long time later. So I think, yeah, we can. I think what you're saying, Sarah, makes a lot of sense that the maps they had were very different because apparently Da Vinci just made a map as we would understand it today. And they were like, I don't know what to do with this, Da Vinci. <laughs> Thanks for this weird top down topographical piece of bullshit. That, that is that is so cool. And I think that probably is how yes. a lot of people reacted to Da Vinci doing things. <laughs> Yeah, like all the it things was. he did. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Also, Luke, congratulations on your first Grease Lightning points. Thank you. It only took ten episodes to get a hey. single. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you but know, this blew my mind. You get like twelve Grease Lightning points for this. Oh, oh thank shit. God. Because I think I was 12. negative before, so I think I'm back and I'm in the positives, which is nice. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. You're going to make it to Final Jeopardy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So, so do we want to talk about the movie now? Let's please talk about this movie. Yes. Okay. Well, Sarah, did you have a good time? What'd you think? I am a little frustrated to admit that I had a good time. Um, Yes! I really didn't want to watch it. I was really not looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Um, and there were, you know, occasional things that annoyed me. But actually, like, they got a lot of shit right. Mm-hmm. And it was all, I mean, it was long. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. I had it's a good a... time. Good. Yeah. No, it's an entertaining flick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to tell y'all something. Yeah. That I found out they're making a sequel. Oh, I saw God. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's pumped? I am. <laughs> what is happening? Um, yeah, wait, so, so it's like... gonna follow Lucilla's son oh. as an adult, uh, and I think the person who is, like, in the lead for the casting is an Irish guy. Uh, <gasps> Fuck yeah! Let him use yeah. his Irish accent! They probably won't. Well, they probably he just has to sound won't. vaguely British, like yeah. everyone in the in the classical era did, as we all know. Yes, just, as, yeah. as we all know. Kind of British-like. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're making a sequel, and I can't figure out how, why, uh, what it will be about. <laughs> I don't know any of these things. Oh, boy. Well, if the production is anything like it was for the first one, they might not know either. Um, I read a little bit about the production for this movie, and apparently it was pretty Uh chaotic. And, like, the the script was not complete when they started shooting. And then at (laughs) some point they had to just stop. (laughs) And the actors were like, we can't fucking do this until you tell us how it's going to (laughs) end. I love that. Yeah, they had a lot. Of, Shit, they had a lot of issues. <laughs> uh huh. But well, goddamn. Uh, well, uh, Luke, what'd you yeah. think? Do you have a good time? Oh yeah, dude. Had yeah. a great time. Um, 
Yeah, no, this movie's fun. It is long. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, there's the part where he reveals that he's Maximus, which I thought was, like, towards the end of this movie. That's how I remembered it. And then, uh, like I said before, nope, lo and behold, there's, like, an hour and a half left on this yeah. movie. Um, no, this movie's is great. It also won the Oscar for Best Picture. I don't know if y'all realize that. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and then Russell Crowe won the Oscar for Best Lead. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, Oscar-winning performances, Oscar-winning movie. Uh, same score as Pirates of the Caribbean. What's not to like yes. about yes. this movie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was watching this thing at like 5.30 in the morning, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's it's they play the music during the first battle, and I was like, "Wait a fucking second! <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's Pirates of the Caribbean." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could not believe it. I thought I was going crazy for a second, and then mm-hmm. um, my husband watched this one with me, and he was like, "I think that's is that." And I was like, "Okay, good. You're hearing it too." <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty buck wild how. Like, because Luke, you messaged us about this, and apparently, what they did was they took Pirates of the Caribbean and then just added Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. So Hans is Zimmer right? is the is the person behind the music, and apparently, he felt a little underappreciated. I mean, I guess if the movies win an Oscars, left, right, and center, and one of right. them is is not because it was nominated for best score, but did mm-hmm. not win. If it's winning Oscars left, right, and center, but not you, you're not getting, you know, a little golden boy to take home. Uh, I feel like you get, you start working on Pirates of the Caribbean and you feel a little salty. So you just reuse the same melody, but with the Muppets Treasure Island orchestration underneath it uh, Hmm. instead. So same, same melody, (laughs) different orchestration. I do love the idea that he was like, no, this was a fucking bop. I knew yeah. it was a bop. I know I have something good. I'm going to force it on you again, and you'll appreciate it when you hear it in a new movie. Yeah. God damn it. And it worked. So yep, it worked. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, but uh, Sam, you haven't said yet what you thought of this movie. Oh, yeah, good time. Didn't want to watch it at all. Uh, yeah, because I, I I thought it was three hours long, and I was particularly mad about that. Um, and then I just I didn't really feel like it, even though I, I like I remembered liking the movie. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to sit down for that long mm-hmm. and watch a movie. Uh, I will tell y'all, I thought long and hard about watching the extended edition, which is nearly three hours long. Sam, can I tell you? The mm-hmm. extended edition was the only option that the Prime Stick gave me, uh-huh. so I did watch the extended version. <laughs> yes, oh. I have. Yes. I have no idea what the scenes are that are like left out of the yeah. theatrical version. No clue. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I did watch it, and it. I I mean, like I said, I did enjoy this movie. I had a really good time, but my God, two hours and fifty minutes is a long mm-hmm. fucking movie. Yeah, boy. Yeah. You, you were in it. I God was damn, in I, it. Ugh. I want to like go like scene by scene and figure out. <laughs> it was, no one would want to listen to that, but God, I like... Because two things stopped me mm. um, from, from watching the extended edition. One 
was that um, because we have Paramount Plus, uh, it was uh, just the normal version was free. Oh, nice. And I didn't have to pay money for it. And I was like, well, that that's pretty compelling. The other is that I reminded myself, this is the podcast where I'm not hurting myself with movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is the safe the one. other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to hurt myself with an extra, like, 22 minutes of film. Yeah. yeah. So I um, didn't. Good for you. Uh, Good for you. But maybe, I, maybe it's I, time for me to invest in Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> maybe. Though, if I'm being honest, I a little bit regret it now. <laughs> what were in those 22 minutes that, that no Luke idea. and I missed? I don't know. I, well, I let me. like... It's a bad sign for your movie, because generally, Sam, in the other podcast, the unnamed uh, mm-hmm. other podcast, whenever we look at extended cuts, it's always like five minutes extra at the most. Yeah, so it makes sense it is, that the, the production was utter chaos if they're like, I don't know, let's toss in nearly 30 minutes of extra stuff that we have <laughs> just sort of hanging out. Yeah, because uh, like the the one that comes to mind uh most recently was uh, Fifty Shades, mm. yeah. where the extended edition just included slightly more nudity. Um, <laughs> and that was it. Wow. Uh, so, Sarah, I, I, was there extra nudity in here? Um, Which is to say, I any? Any nudity at all? No, there was not. Um, uh, damn. I, want, I wonder if some of the... It's possible that some of what was cut in the theatrical version was like more of Commodus coming on to his sister stuff. Mm. Which, by the way, yeah. I just want to say, Commodus was not the one who fucked his sister. That was Caligula. Different emperor oh, okay. with names starting with C. Mm. Come on, Hollywood. Get it together. <laughs> Caligula, get your sister fuckers right. Caligula almost certainly fucked his sister. Possibly more than one of his sisters. Um, he, was a, he, he also made his horse a console. Um, he was a real mess. Um, but yeah, Commodus was not the one who fucked his sister. Okay. He just had her banished and executed. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, one thing did, and I don't know why I, I grabbed onto this, but there's a, like, when we first see Commodus, um, he's about to leave, and he does tell his sister kiss and the thing is like yes it's grody whatever Uh, what really struck me about it is is it's such a jeb bush kind of thing it's very (laughs) like (laughs) it smacks of please clap please clap (laughs) kiss like come on Please. Oh my god. Please kiss. Daddy doesn't love me. Please. <laughs> I think I should be president now. Clap. Um, so yeah, I, I really grabbed onto that and it did color a lot of my feelings about Commodus throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. It's just yeah. this sort of sister fucking Jeb Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hapless, incestuous fool. <laughs> yeah, they really do make him out to be, like, pretty petulant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, very childish. Like, that's his whole personality is daddy didn't love me, which is like, to me, mm-hmm. that's really funny knowing that he was co-emperor for four fucking years with his dad, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His dad gave him a pretty good fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Marcus Aurelius definitely was not a Republican, like, as in, like, wanting Rome to go back to a republic um, and yeah. get rid oh, okay. of the em- empire um, structure. That's I feel like we get very uncomfortable with, like, anything with monarchy, and so... Like, if there's a figure from antiquity we want to admire, we have to, like, give them our values, right? And so, Mm -hmm. like, Marcus Aurelius being a fan of democracy, or at least of Republican democracy, a republic structure democracy, um, is just, like, hilarious to me. Like, he was not about (laughs) to... He he got rid of the whole, like, good emperor adoption thing and just, like, had his fucking stupid teenage son being his co-emperor you know like he he didn't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah i they oh hey was that was the actor the original dumbledore yes the same guy richard harris oh another irishman never allowed to use his real accent um hollywood come on you gotta let him do it we Mm -hmm. need it I would pay good yeah. money, would have paid good money to see an Irish Marcus Aurelius. Oh, God, that would, that, well, maybe we've got a flashback at Gladiator 2. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Gladiator 2, an all Irish production of a Gladiator sequel. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Luke, did, did anything jump out at you? Yes. Choppy okay. slow mo. Uh, ah yes. So I noticed uh, they did it a couple times, but really in the beginning uh, battle, they would occasionally do some slow mo. And I know the technology was there when this movie was made because The Matrix did it not but a mm-hmm. year before in '99. Uh, but holy shit, is it choppy? It just looks like someone just sort of like strobe strobe lights going off. Um, it's yeah. It's the frame weird. rates were not good. Because it, it seems like that was just sort of a stylistic choice at the time. Yeah, Cause almost. Like, I, it was like a like almost a trope at the time to just have like, like you're saying, like slow-mo but a strobe. Yeah, mm. pretty, pretty choppy. Um, mm-hmm. So that jumped out. But uh, otherwise, no, just uh, this movie was, was way different than I remembered it being. And uh, mm-hmm. ended up being a really good time. So, you know, yeah. pleased. Pleased overall. But like I said, I want to meet up again in a year. And we'll see what we re- we remember of this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I imagine it won't be a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, perhaps not. Yeah. So, Sarah, you, you were saying that there's a lot in the movie that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And, um, and stuff that, like, I think thought might be inaccurate and then i went and looked it up and it turned out to be right like um because i so military history was something that i never really paid much attention to my professors tried to teach me military history and i just didn't care um so sorry guys if you're listening but um i so there were things in things in here that i probably should have known that i didn't um or Mm -hmm. you know once upon a time i knew it for an exam um like i thought at the beginning i with their armor i was like this looks too nice for antiquity this can't be right and then i went and looked mm-hmm. at 
images from Trajan's column, so about 50 years before this, and that's the armor. Like, that's what it looked like. Mm. <laughs> um, they oh, they got nice. that right. Um, I was wondering, like, were Roman soldiers actually tattooed? Like, yes, tattooing technology has existed forever, but, like, did Romans mm-hmm. actually do it for this? Um, turns out, yes. Uh, we have limited really? information about it. There was a guy named Vegetius who wrote about um, just, like, military affairs in general, and he didn't, like, specify what time period certain things were coming from and he's pretty late he's like fourth fifth century ce so he doesn't tell us like when certain practices started or stopped so he's like of limited value (laughs) in that way Mm -hmm. but he does talk about um soldiers being tattooed once they'd finished basically their basic training like if they didn't flunk out Mm. and they were actually going to be a legionnaire then they were tattooed um so that was fun um i Yeah, I had forgotten that the Colossus would have still been standing at the Colosseum during this time. So there's a kid, Mm. you know, there's like, we'll meet you by the Colossus. It's like, when when was the Colossus destroyed? Uh, Apparently it fell over in an earthquake sometime in like the 5th century CE. So Mm. it was still standing at this point. Um, And, And what was the Colossus? The Colossus was a statue pretty close to the height of the Statue of Liberty, not quite that tall, but it was over 100 feet tall, of Nero. The Emperor Nero that he put up to him, you know, for himself. Um, This was one of the, you know, megalomaniac things that (laughs) got got Nero taken care of. Um, So, so yeah, it was a giant statue of Nero. Um, Allegedly, Commodus actually removed Nero's head and put his, you know, an image of his own head. Mm-hmm. on there <laughs> so that was it so love it the colossus was definitely still around um the colossus also by the way is the reason the Colosseum is called the Colosseum. um it's its technical oh. name is the flavian amphitheater because it was the flavian emperors who built it and dedicated it um about a hundred years before this time period of, of commodus and everything um mm. so it, it was the flavian amphitheater but then it was right next to the Colossus, so it gets called the Colosseum, the thing by the Colossus, right? Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's so Colosseum is a nickname, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I actually noticed something that's accurate. Yes, tell us. Okay, so um, when when Russell Crowe gets gets wounded running away from the Praetorians. And um, he's, like, uh, scooped up by that, like, slaver, I guess? Hmm. Um, and we see a shot of, like, maggots in his wound. And Jaimon Hansu says, like, no, leave them. They'll clean it. That is, that is, that's true. Uh, to the point where, actually, now, uh, some hospitals do actually use maggots special like medical grade maggots or something mm-hmm. oh my god to, to clean like infected wounds yeah. that is I amazing burn, i think burn units use them a lot too mm-hmm. to clean up dead oh. flesh because they only eat dead flesh right right, right. Yeah. i yeah. had i had read something about that i, I read it in a novel they did this mm-hmm. um and i didn't know if it was like true but it's still happening. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Apparently, it's not, like, super popular, both <laughs> for patient or provider. Um, she can't because, imagine why. 
because <laughs> what what I've heard is that patients like can feel it Ew. a little bit, oh. um, and that uh, providers don't love it because they're maggots. They're alive. Sometimes they don't stay in the wound. Sometimes they go they go on a wander. <laughs> and they don't love that. Oh my god. That's amazing. Uh, I also yeah. feel like it would be hard to get your insurance to cover it. I just don't feel like they have the codes <laughs> for it and like you want to do yeah. what? Do what now? You want to treat it with uh, a bug? No. No, <laughs> no sir. <laughs> this isn't that one scene in Gladiator. We have medicine now. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> but yeah. No. Um What just wow. a good movie. Yeah. yeah. It really um, was. Now, I so we are running a little long. Uh and so I, I maybe this pro, I probably shouldn't ask it now, but I will maybe maybe for a future time if if it's going to be lengthy. Okay. How did slavery work then? Yeah, I think that is too long for right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of figured. Um, uh, we I, can have a little we can have a little uh slavery lesson tag on another episode. Um Gotcha. It Okay. Yeah. Uh then then one other small question. Okay. The old figurines that Russell Crowe had. Uh, How- for his wife and son. Household gods. Re- um Okay. Yeah, I I don't know that I mean, he's supposed to be from Spain, right? So he's like from mm-hmm. out in the out in the provinces. Um I don't know how everybody did things out in the provinces, but at least in Italy you had household gods and um they I don't think most of them were like your own family members most of them were like mm-hmm. um you know like this the spirit of whatever place that you're living in we've talked about this before right with um ancient religion like the whole world basically was sort of personified and you know every river was like personified as its own deity right, right every yeah. forest and things like that so a lot of times i think household gods sort of grew out of that tradition of like worshiping the local spirits of wherever you live um but yes mm-hmm. this is a thing that romans did they had little figurines in their house and usually they were like in the front atrium of your house and you could like mm. offer them little gifts and you burn incense for them and like you oh. give them little bits of meat or whatever um this yeah this is a thing i i love that they had that in there oh that's awesome all right well uh dude do we have anything any final thoughts bef- before we move on? I just mm, really like Joaquin nothing? Phoenix. Yeah. It was very fun. I feel like also, we rag on his character a lot, but... Oh, was he really? Yeah, it didn't win it. Also nominated oh. for Best Supporting Actor, though. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah, nice. this movie swept the Oscars. Like, it was a biggin', so... That's awesome. Well, damn. Yeah. Well, next week, uh, we'll be watching, or next time, damn it, one of these days, I'll get it. <laughs> next time, we'll actually be watching Disney's Hercules. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yes. Tonal, tonal whiplash yet again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, y'all have seen this, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, more times than I can count. Okay. I've never seen it. Sam! Yeah, never seen it. 
Wow. Okay. So, uh, pre- pretty interested to see see how it goes next time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So until then, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of Grease Lightning. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Grease Lightning Podcast. That's G R E E C E D. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Grease Lightning Pod. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Greased Light Pod. I'm pretty sure I've been saying it wrong for the past uh, few episodes, but it is Greased Light Pod. Um, and you can also send us an email at GreasedLightningPod at gmail.com. Let us know if you know how, where, with whom Sarah saw Gladiator. Uh, it'd be really nice to know that. We're also on Mastodon. And it's something like Grease Lightning Pod at Home Dots. I don't understand Mastodon, even though I made the account. <laughs> it's it's Home Dot Social. <laughs> the most important part of the thing is Home Dot Yeah, Social. and Home Dot Social. It's just it's weird. Okay, Mastodon's very strange to me. Yeah. Uh, I made the account. I'll post the episodes on there. That's about all you're getting on Mastodon. I'm very sorry. We're we're no. aging millennials, um, folks. You got to give us a break. Yeah. Come on. Um, we don't have a TikTok, and we never will. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, folks, again, thanks for listening to, to Grease Lightning, and we'll be back next time with Disney's Hercules.